Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel 2, and we're going to, God willing, finish out the chapter here tonight, verses 11 through 36. Samuel, in contrast with a couple of guys that are called sons of Belial, Belial, Belial. For the most part, this chapter gives us a contrast in ministries. Many aspects to think about here, but we're dealing with the priesthood. So let's talk about the Levitical priesthood. It goes back, of course, to the time of Moses. The Levites were set aside to be priests. The house of Aaron would always hold the office of high priest. And uh, it, it started out, what was it, the household of Eliezer, maybe Aaron's son? Anyway, they descend all the way, and it brings us to Eli, or Eli, of that, of that part of Aaron's household, which had begun as the ones following Aaron to be the high priest, high priests through, through time. The Levitical priesthood in general had, had several duties that kept them quite busy. They were, of course, to keep the fire burning in the altar there, and they had to keep the ashes cleaned out. Uh, they had to attend to the things that were in the holy place, not the holy of holies. That's only the high priest, but the holy of holies and other aspects of their ministry, they had to maintain a a strict lifestyle. They had to wear particular clothing that would reflect uh, the purity and sincerity of their service. They um, were required to live lives such that they were not to marry a harlot. They were not to be given to strong drink. Uh, they were to insp other things, a lot of things, but just things off the top of my mind. They, of course, were to inspect the sacrificial offerings that were brought to make sure that they were appropriate and then be there to be the ones to make the offering uh, and to assist the worshiper in understanding everything and thus teach the law of God, the, the word of God, we should say for them in that day, just five books of Moses, but they were they were to teach the word of God to all of the worshipers who came in. They also had a responsibility to inspect certain diseases among people, especially to see if people had leprosy. And then they were to make sure that certain rules and regulations were followed, not only there, but in all, all, all manners of ministry uh, and aspects of worship for Israel. They had a, a large task. God cared for them in a special way. They did not have an inheritance in the land, in the promised land, but they were given certain places they could live uh, in certain cities. They were given a large portion of the tithes and offerings that came in. They were given uh, of the sacrificial uh, of the sacrificial offerings that were made. They were given the the breast and right thigh. For their foods, I mean, you can imagine if a lot of people came on one day, uh, you could about go in business, I guess. But uh, they, they, were, they were well cared for. 
But they also had a very important duty before the Lord in ministering before the Lord. And God held them responsible. We'll see more about that as we get into this. So here we're looking at a contrast in ministries. Hannah, Hannah has promised to give Yahweh the son for whom she has prayed. He will always be lent to the Lord, she said. So uh, she had become acquainted in a special way with Eli or Eli, the, the high priest. And um, she, he, was, he was obviously uh, helping her in her prayers with regard to uh, having children. Now that catches us up to verse 11. Let's look back here. And we're going to note in this long passage that we're going to look at here, a contrast in ministries. So with that in mind, let's go ahead then and look in verse 11 and following. Elkanah went to Ramah, to his house, and the child ministered to Yahweh before Eli the priest. The child, of course, is Samuel. Samuel begins as a little boy being a, an assistant an assistant or a servant to the priests. Eli's sons were corrupt men and they knew not Yahweh. Here the contrast uh, begins. Samuel is, is being raised in the, in the way of the Lord at the tabernacle. There was no temple yet and the tabernacle had settled at Shiloh. And so this is where the people came uh, to do what Yahweh had required of Israel with regard to worship, with regard to offerings and sacrifices and feasts uh, and, um, and so forth. So here, Samuel was in the presence of worship and ministry every day, all day. Obviously, he was learning and being taught uh, the very special ways of ministry, the meaning of the different things that were in the tabernacle. So here he is ministering to Yahweh before Eli the priest, but the, high, the priest had sons and they were, they were worthless. And you see why, okay, they're supposed to be in the ministry, but they did not know Yahweh. They didn't take it to heart. They were supposed to be teachers to the people and ministers to the people. Unfortunately, the, the ministry to the Lord and service to the Lord has suffered from such as this all the way through the existence of time where God had his people and his people came before him to worship. There have always been corrupt men who didn't know Yahweh, who had a position of importance and, uh, and would, in their corruption, uh, would do awful things. So we keep this in mind as we continue looking at the account here. And this was the legal due of the priests from the people. Whenever any man would slaughter a sacrifice, the servant of the priest would come when one cooked or, or boiled the flesh, and he would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand. 
the servant of the priest would come. Here's the sacrifice. It's being boiled. And this, with this three-pronged fork in his hand, he would thrust it into the fire pot uh, or into the pot or the cauldron, whatever was being used, into the pan. And everything which the fork would pick up, the priest would take therewith. So would they do to all Israel who came there in Shiloh. That's, that's fairly easy to understand. This would be the priest's portion. Also, before they would make the fat smoke and the servant of the priest would come and would say to the man who slaughtered, give meat to roast for the priest and he will not take from you cooked meat, but raw. And if the man said to him, let them make the fat smoke now and then take for yourself as your soul desires. And he would say, no, but now you shall give. And if not, I shall take by force. Here is one of the things, one of the crooked things that uh, the sons of Eli the priest uh, were engaging in. They were taking more than they were supposed to take, not only taking their portion, but they were giving every worshiper uh, instructions on what they wanted. It did not go along with the instructions in the law of Moses a worshiper might contest, but the priest would say, I'll take this by force if you don't do what I say. And the sin of the young men was great before Yahweh. Now, well, let me, let me finish the verse here. For the men abhorred the offering of Yahweh. Let's stop there. Those young men are the, the two sons of Eli, the priest. So we learn here that they are young. They do not know Yahweh. They have found for themselves a, uh, a way to enrich themselves, to make themselves fat, as the Old Testament would use in the language. And they did this with threat of force on the worshiper. Now here the contrast begins. Well, let me say this first. All of Israel was required to come at certain times, Passover, for example. And the people were being mistreated by the sons of the priest, high priest. So... The people are becoming discouraged and even angry and they don't like what's going on and yet they're under obligation in the law of Moses to bring these things. And when they, when they take it to the priests uh, they were, as the servant of the priest, these, the Levitical priesthood, these two guys, like they were supposed to do, these two guys give them instructions that don't go along with the law of Moses. And in other words, they're taking what they're supposed to have but they're also taking what Yahweh is supposed to have. Now, you can't get away with that. Here's the contrast. Samuel, a little boy, was serving before Yahweh, being a boy girded with a linen robe. So he looked like a little miniature priest. He's, he's not of the Levites. But he's being raised like this as a servant 
uh, within, within the tabernacle and the tabernacle ministry. And the small robe his mother would make for him, she would bring it up to him from appointed time to appointed time. We saw earlier in chapter one how Canaan would bring his household at the appointed time. They would come and they would perform their service, their, their ceremony, their worship before the Lord. So every time she came, she brought him a new robe for his service before the Lord, his ministry before the Lord, knowing that he would be outgrowing the other one. And when she ascended with her husband to slaughter the yearly sacrifice, Eli would bless Elkanah, Elkanah and his wife, and he would say, may Yahweh grant you seed or descendants from this woman. So he, he remembers the woman who was praying. He thought she was drunk, you may recall, because she was praying silently, but she was moving her lips. And he goes over to her and he scolds her for being drunk in the house of the Lord. And she says, you got this all wrong, man. I'm praying. I want a, I want a baby. I want a son for my husband. The other, his other wife, she's giving him all kinds of kids. And, and I, I'm not able to give him any child. So Eli remembers this. And he goes to Elkanah and he says, may Yahweh grant you seed or descendants from this woman. So he never forgot her request, this priest, and obviously wouldn't forget it because Samuel was always there. Because of the request which he, which he had requested of Yahweh, and then they would go to their home. This is an annual event, okay? For Yahweh assigned Hannah, he appointed, this is something that God directed, this was his purpose. He purposed for Hannah and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. So these were the younger siblings of Samuel. And the boy Samuel grew up with Yahweh. Very important to note this. All right. So think of, think, think of what's happening. Samuel grows through his childhood. He becomes an older. He becomes a preteen. And uh, he's, he's, he's a very good boy. He's, he's very strict in the way that he lives. He ministers to the people properly. He grows into his teens under the direction of the priesthood. He does what he's supposed to do. Uh, and he learns the word of Yahweh during all the time. There's no doubt that he could teach the, the word to people. And as they come, because he has a, a high profile position as a servant to the priest and as a boy, they watch him grow up every year. And they note the difference between him and the two sons of Eli, the, the high priest. They note the contrast between the two. So the Bible tells us that Samuel grew up with Yahweh. This was his life. He's God, God is at work bringing Samuel up into a position of leadership where the people will trust him. Okay. Now Elihu had become very old, uh, had become very old, and he heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel. They would lie with the women who assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Well, it's just awful. They come to worship Yahweh, and these, these sons of Elihu, 
would meet them at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Now, just who these women were, was it just the general population of women as they came? Were they, were they particular servants who were assigned to keep the place in order and clean? It doesn't say. Doesn't matter who they were, this was an awful thing, even if they weren't priests. But these guys are the sons of the high priest. Eli is very old. Now, this is something to take note of. These are young men. He's very old. Obviously, they have no respect for their father. Uh, they, don't, they don't see him as a threat. And apparently, he's unable to do anything about it other than to scold them like this. And he said to them, why do you do the likes of these things? For I hear evil reports about you from all these people. No, my sons, for the report which I hear Yahweh's people spreading is not good. If one man sins against another, Elohim will judge him. But if a man sins against Yahweh, what intercession is there for him? Now, this is priestly talk. You know enough to know that as priests, we're, 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 we're mediators in a sense, and we take what they bring and we offer it on the altar and explain to them what they're doing. And we can intercede in a way and teach them the importance of what they're doing. But your sin is directly against Yahweh. What, what, what recourse do you have? Who's going to intercede for you? But they did not listen to their father's voice. For Yahweh desired or purposed to kill them. And that's not the first time. You may remember Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire. That was bad news for them. Way back in the time of Moses. And what these people are doing in the ministry to the Lord will bring, it will surely bring the wrath of God. Now they had been in, in the law of Moses, the priesthood had been warned. But you remember what we said earlier, they didn't know Yahweh. That means that they really didn't care about the word or anything else. So Yahweh desired to kill them. This is, the, this is the ongoing wrath and purpose of God with regard to those who disregard the special privilege of ministry. Now the contrast again. And the boy Samuel was growing up and grew in stature and in favor both with Yahweh and with men. So all of Israel every year, becoming more and more impressed with the characteristics, the attributes, the, the holiness, uh, the knowledge, the spiritual depth, and the leadership skills of Samuel. So you can see how God, God is working to provide the people the leadership, the spiritual leadership they so desperately need in a time when the sons of Eli are doing the things that they're doing. Grew in stature and in favor, both with Yahweh 
and with men. Now God will bring his judgment upon the house of Eli. This is important because this, this carries us through on into the time of Solomon. And then beyond Solomon, on to the destruction of the temple. And beyond the destruction of the temple, to the reestablishment of the millennial temple that is spoken of in Ezekiel 44. So, God judges the house of Eli. And a man of God, Eshelachim, don't have his name, don't need his name. What we need is his message. We don't, we don't need to know that much about the man, we just need the message. And God sent a messenger, a prophet maybe. He's called a man of God. He came to Eli and he said to him, so said Yahweh. Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, enslaved in the house of Pharaoh? And did I not choose him from all the tribes of Israel to be my priest? We're talking about Aaron, household of Aaron. To offer up sacrifices on my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me. And did I give to the house of your father all of the fire offerings of the sons of Israel? In other words, this is a high calling and a special privilege. This, this lineage, these, these men, these, these people had a very special duty. They were to be constantly reminding the people of the law of Moses, the sin of man, the necessary sacrifice, how Yahweh is appeased, how God's people can come into the presence of Yahweh, how Yahweh has graciously provided and a system and, and the principle of atonement and justification pictured in the sacrifices that they make through the years with a view to the great sacrifice uh, that is yet to come. So Yahweh says, didn't I make this clear? And aren't you and your sons supposed to be this special lineage, this special family from Aaron? Why then do you kick at my sacrifice and at my meal offering, which I commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me? In other words, Eli was not doing enough to deal with his sons and what they'd done. To make yourselves fat from the best part of the offerings, of all the offerings, of my people. Therefore, says Yahweh, says Yahweh, the God of Israel. Indeed, I said your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now, God's going to amend it. But now, says Yahweh, far be it from me for those who honor me shall I honor. And those who despise me will be disgraced. Now this, this judgment upon the household of Eli does not come immediately because there has to be a time of observation and even suffering so that all of the priesthood will understand uh, the terrible and, and tragic path of dishonoring Yahweh, especially in the priesthood and in the tabernacle and later the temple of Yahweh. Behold, days are coming when I shall cut off your arm in the arm of your father's house. That there shall not be an elder in your household and you will see an enemy 
or a, a rival. It could be a rival or an enemy. In my dwelling place, in all the days, despite the good that God has done for Israel. And there will not be an elder in your household all of the days forever. So this household will maintain its position for a while. But it will be like a curse. You won't live long. Maybe physical maladies or sufferings, whatever. But you won't, you won't live like other people live. You won't live long. Yet not every man of yours shall I cut off from my altar. Your eyes shall consume and your heart grieve. And all the descendants of your house will die in the flower of their age. Now this goes on for some time. And even Israel would take note of the judgment of God upon the household of Eli until the time, you know, God amended. He said, I'm not always going to keep your household here, but I'm going to keep it here for a while and let people see what happens when, when the ministry is, is, is disgraced, when, when the people who have been called to a high privilege disdain and despise that privilege. And even despise me. So, he says they will die in the flower of their age. This will be the sign to you, that which will befall your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. In one day, both of them will die. So, <laughs> in one day, both of them are going to die. This will be the sign that God is going to do what he said he would do. And then... Beyond that, and I shall raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do as, in, as is in my heart and in my mind. And I shall build for him a sure house and he shall walk before my anointed all of the days. Okay. In the time of Solomon. Solomon replaces the household of Eli with the household of Zadok. Still a descendant of Aaron, but not the original household who would serve in that very important position as high priest. It's going to change now to another family descended from Aaron, Zadok. And the story of Zadok is that he had proven himself to be a very wonderful man, a, a holy man. He, he, had the, he had the love and appreciation of all the people. So now Solomon will come to the time where he will replace the high priest with, the, with Zadok and the family of Zadok, the, 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 the descendants of him from, from then on all the way until the time the temple is destroyed in, in 70 AD. But beyond that, the family, that very family continues restored in that special priestly office in the millennial temple that has its own special reason for ministry as described in Ezekiel, I think, chapter 44. So, so this, is the, this is what God says. I'll raise up for myself a faithful priest. He'll have a sure house. He will follow my heart. And walk before my anointed. 
Now that's not Mashiach. That's not like Christ. It is, it is, it is, but it's not. What he's speaking of here in the, te- in the context is he is speaking of the anointed kings. Now think about this. There's not even an anointed, an anointed king yet, right? And yet he's talking about my anointed. And this, this all begins to make sense when Samuel himself anoints David, the boy, the shepherd boy, as king. And it would be the anointed. It would be the descendants, the sons of David, who would sit on the throne. So David's son replaces the household of Eli with Zadok and they serve the kings of Judah, the the sons of David, all the way beyond the last king into the time of their regathering uh, Zerubbabel, Nehemiah, and even beyond that, we know from Ezekiel to the time when a very, when a very special uh, new, new kind of, of temple ministry is appointed in the millennial kingdom. Uh, so that, that goes until finally, after the millennial kingdom, Everything is destroyed, the first heaven and the first earth. And then in the new heaven and the new earth, we're told by John in the Revelation that there will be no more temple. All that will come to pass, uh, will, 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 will be passed. But until then, God does exactly what he says he'll do. For a period of time, the people are going to take note of the tragedy of of irreverently, even unlawfully, blasphemously ministering in the priesthood in the name of Yahweh. That's not to say that all of them after, Finney, after these two guys, Hophni and Phinehas, it's not to say that they all were as bad as these guys, but it does say that God purposed to use that household until replaced with Zadok as a lesson the curse placed upon them as a lesson of the terrible things that they had done. You just don't mess around with Yahweh. That's the whole bottom line. And it will be that everyone who is left in your house will come to bow down before him for a silver piece and a morsel of bread and will say, take me down to one of the priestly divisions in order to eat a morsel of bread. So here's what happens. After that household is replaced, they become beggars. There's no place for them. Now the priestly divisions, that that again is interesting because it isn't until over in Chronicles in the day of David, who isn't on the scene yet, it isn't until the day of David that the the priests are divided into uh, 24 orders of the priesthood uh, because there are so many of them in the in the Levit, in the Levitical tribe that uh, the the 
there's a limit placed on they can begin ministry at 20 and they have to retire at the age of 50. And they they come in their particular time, their appointed time to minister. If you remember, um, the father of John the Baptist was the same way. It was his particular appointed time when he went in to do what he was supposed to do and the angel appeared to him. So this is sort of a prophecy. Take me down to the one of the priestly divisions so that I can just eat something. They'll become that household then not only will in shame lose the priesthood, but they will also lose their dignity and they become beggars uh, from then on because the Levitical priesthood had no land. They had no inheritance of the land. And so they would have to depend upon and, and ask and beg of the other priests to just give them a little money and a little food so that they can get by. Okay, we're going to stop there and God willing, we'll pick it up there next time. We'll have our deacon prayer time.